Good morning. <laughs> want to add my happy Father's Day uh, to all you dads out there. I uh, hope you have a fantastic time uh, celebrating today. Uh, this is a special day for me as well. Of all the roles that I play in my life, a son, a brother, husband, friend, pastor, one of my favorite titles uh, is Dad. Um, I want to show you a couple pictures. Uh, first picture up here is a picture of me and my wife and our young daughter, Elizabeth. She was born in 1997 and passed away suddenly in the year 2000. And it's actually hard to believe this 25 years this summer marks me being, being a dad. This next picture is a picture from just last month. Uh, my daughter, Grace, uh, just graduated from Scholastica. So, woohoo, yes, one through college. And then uh, my other daughter, Kate, is, uh, just finished her junior year at the U of M. And so, super proud of these young women and all that God is doing in our lives. Uh, one of the things that I've been also known about here uh, at the Vineyard has been the purveyor of many dad jokes, but I think Jackson's taken over for me. Uh, I mean, he's like really crowding in. Um, so much so, like I think I've preached almost every Father's Day since I've been on staff except for one. And so people would ask me like, hey, are you going to like tell some dad jokes and all this type of stuff? One, I think Jackson like is just totally going after it. But I, unfortunately, I don't have any new material for you this year because um, I decided to start to keep all my dad jokes in my database, and um, there's a joke there. You got it, right? It's, it's coming. Do you need some more coffee, right? Okay. I swear that is the last dad joke for today. Okay, you've done really well. Uh, okay, so Father's Day uh, is a great day, and also it can be a remixture. Um, it can be a difficult day for some folks. Uh, but whatever your background or however, however you might be thinking or feeling about uh, today, I really believe that uh, our time is going to be a real help and encouragement uh, to us all. Here's why. Days like today uh, can provide us an opportunity to assess our relationships. Not only our relationships with others, but also our relationship with God. Taking this a level deeper, there is a strong correlation between our horizontal relationships with one another and our vertical relationship with God. How you experience key relationships in your life often influences how you see God. Whether it's your connection with your parents, another family member, maybe another significant figure in your life, what we do is we tend to protect our, um, project onto God um, the experience of our earth relationships earthly relationships, whether that's in a positive or a negative sense. To a quick story, I was thinking back to this week of uh, the time frame. I grew up in a small town northwest Iowa. My dad was a farmer. Uh, my mom worked as a nurse, and she did overnights. And so we get to this time of the year, summertime. I was like maybe eight, nine years old. My mom was sleeping. My dad was out in the field. And they would give us like, here's some chores to do, you know, while we're, we're trying to do our thing. And so over that time... One of the things I internalized was that if I do a really good job of like all of these things, then mom and dad are going to be happy. And if not, if I don't do a good job with it, mom and dad are going to be mad. And so I realized as an adult how often actually some of those simple dynamics have shown up in my relationship with God. Now, whatever's wonky about that, you know, has as much to do with my own brokenness as it does with what my mom or dad didn't or didn't do. But to get my point, it's so often, so often true that we project onto God some of our experiences in our earthly relationships. 
So we can see how this dynamic plays out from that angle. This morning, I actually want to spend some time exploring the other direction. I want to look at how our vertical relationship, our relationship with God, can really fuel and shape our relationships with one another. There's tremendous power to be tapped here, because here's what I believe. As we experience the ways that God takes initiative and works for good in our lives, we can learn to engage and bless those around us. And as we grow in relationship with God, it can fuel those connections that we have with others to become more and more healthy. In some ways, that's a really straightforward idea, um, but it also can be really difficult. And so uh, what I think what we're going to do as we get through this this morning, that may feel more accessible by the end of our time today. That's our hope. I've been reading the book of 1 John recently, so I want to begin with one of my favorite verses from that, which is 1 John uh, chapter 3, uh, verse 1. Would you read this aloud with me? Let's read this together. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. We often think about love as a feeling, but we also know that it's more than that. Love is actions and it's behaviors. And so along those lines, in today's message, we're going to see the word love come up a bunch, and I want you to immediately translate that, okay? I want you to translate the word love into love being active engagement and intentional blessing. Active engagement, intentional blessing. Every time you see the word love, I want you to think about those two concepts. That's a vision behind the leather coasters um, that Michael and Jackson were talking about that we've given out for dad, um, dad gifts today. Uh, the coasters have an imprint on them which says engage and bless. And so we just, Dad, we want you to take one of these home, put it under your coffee cup, whatever beverage you've got there. And it's just a simple reminder of how you can put love into action uh, each day. The gifts are just for dads today, but what we're going to talk about this morning uh, is for us all. So let's dive in. Uh, we're going to spend some time in two different Bible passages today. We're going to start with 1 John uh, chapter 4, verses 9 through 16. If you've uh, got a Bible in front of you, you can find that on page 834. God, come as we look at your word this morning. Okay, uh, starting in verse 9. This is how God showed his love among us. Remember, love equaling active engagement and intentional blessing. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Verse 13, this is how we know that we live in him and he in us. God has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and we testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. What a great passage. You know, in just a few verses, we get a glimpse of the way that God moves towards us 
And we are challenged to love others in the same fashion. I love how the English Standard Version translates this final verse, verse 16. It says, we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. We've come to know and to believe this love that God has for us. Let's use that as a springboard uh, for this first section of the message. Uh, Coming to know and to believe God's love for us is a process. We don't immediately grasp it, it doesn't happen overnight, and we often have to overcome uh, some common barriers along the way. Here's a couple common struggles I see. Uh, First of all, we often will think that God is passive. Secondly, uh, we can slip into the spot where we're unsure if God has our best in mind. And so for many people, uh, these struggles are rooted in our experiences with other people. You know, maybe you had a father that was absent physically or relationally distant. Uh, And so you can think of God in that same way, thinking that God's way up there, you're down here, and basically you're left to yourself to figure out what life is all about. Or maybe it's the second struggle, uh, you know, where you've experienced the impact of people not having your best uh, in mind. That could have happened through something major, like a major offense, like an abuse, or it could be just some of these like, things that happen day to day, like you know, almost trivial pieces where it's like somebody's more interested in their phone than in interacting with you. Thankfully, as we interact with God, here's what we can do. We can actually discover or we can rediscover this sense of trust learning how to trust. As we experience real love from God, it can actually practically reshape the way that we relate to others. Here's a few ways that I've seen this get worked out. First of all, we can learn, uh, we can trust that God is actively working for our good. If you've got uh, 1 John 4 open there, you maybe notice how many active verbs are in this short little passage. Love is active, again, it's intentional, and that is how God relates to us. Verse 9, God showed his love. God sent his son as an atoning sacrifice. He sent Jesus to be the savior of the world. Verse 13, God gave us of his spirit. Again, God is not passive. He's actively working for your good and for my good. And when verse 16 talks about coming to know God's love, That's not just merely an intellectual thing. It's knowledge through experience. And just like any relationship, your relationship with God, it's got to be developed through both a volume of time and a quality of time. Like you need to interact over and over and over again. You know, and so the more quality time that you spend with God, the more that you can come to know and believe this love that he has, that he is actively working for your good. I want to give you a little exercise you can do. Uh, I want you to take this week this famous verse. This is probably a verse that a number of you have memorized. Uh, Maybe you've got it up on your refrigerator. Romans 8, 28, okay? It goes like this. We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. Okay, that becomes so familiar to us that it can just go in one ear and out the other. So what I want to do this week, I want you to look for and ask God to show you ways that this is practically true in your life. How is God practically, specifically working for your good day by day, moment by moment, 
in and through your life. You can look for that in relationships. Maybe you're facing a a financial or another practical need where you say, God, here you are. You are actually working for my good. We're just singing that song about God's provision, about being content in every circumstance. Those can be ways that God shows up and says, I am with you. I'm not distant. I'm not aloof. I am for you. Or even what 1 John 4 talks about with Jesus being our Savior, the one that atones for our sin. We can know that God has moved towards us in the person of Christ to bring us forgiveness and grace. Every time we receive of that, we know that God is actively working for our good. Here's another way to learn trust. We can trust God to calm our fears. Trust God to calm our fears. About a month ago, um, I ran across a short little video. Uh, It's from Christian comedian Michael Jr. And thought it was a great fit for illustrating this point. Let's watch this video together. So, um, me and my wife were looking at some old home videos recently of our youngest daughter being born. I'm going to show you the video. Not her being born, because my wife would be like, you doing what? (laughs) We got some conflict we need to talk about. So it's a video of our youngest daughter being born. I took this video. The video you're about to watch is a video I took, but I didn't understand the power of it until I watched the video. So let me set it up for you. She's like two and a half minutes old. Our daughter's two and a half minutes old at the time. And um, they got her under that little chicken warmer at the hospital, the little <laughs> thing to keep the french fries warm. I don't know what kind of insurance we have, but that's what they got her under. And the nurse is about to clean her up, and she starts to cry. I want you to notice what happens when she hears my voice. So that was pretty powerful, right? Now, now it's like seven, seven and a half minutes or so later. The nurse is done cleaning her up, and she starts to cry again. I speak up, and she stops crying again. But I want you to notice what happens when I tell her I love her. Okay, it's good, it's good, it's good. I'm right here, I'm right here. I am right here. I love you, I love you, I love you. Yeah, I'm right here, I'm right here. It's okay, it's okay. So here's the thing. There's going to be times in life where it feels like you're going from conflict to conflict to conflict. Or maybe you're just full of fear because of all the uncertainties right now. The key thing to do in those moments is to be still. And listen for the Father's voice. Be still and listen for the Father's voice because He is talking to you. And what He wants you to know is that He's right here. He loves you. All you have to do is open your eyes. Awesome. I can watch that video all day long, can't you? <laughs> you know, Michael Jr., his love for his daughter and his, her response to him are such vivid pictures of. God's relationship, our love, his love for us, and what that can look like. And friends, so we can bring God all the things that freak us out. (laughs) Trusting that, as 1 John 4 says, just a couple verses later, I love this verse as well, that perfect love 
cast out fear. That's what it's like to experience this ongoing relationship with God. It casts out fear. It helps us to move forward. Next, we can learn to trust God through obedience. This is something that Michael, Michael Gatlin, not Michael Jr., uh, was talking on a couple months ago when he spoke from John 15. In that passage, Jesus connects uh, experiencing God's love with following God's direction for our lives. And he challenges us to enter into this powerful cycle where we abide in God's love, which leads to keeping God's commands which leads to our joy being made complete and just back and forth, over and over and over again, abiding, uh, following through with obedience, experiencing joy. And so that's what God wants to do. This circle of experience helps us to trust that God is real and that God is good. Some of the read back in John 8 where Jesus says that holding to his teaching will help us to know the truth and that that truth will set us free. But here's the catch. We don't fully understand or we don't know that God is trustworthy until we step out to obey. Like if we just think about it theoretically, we'll never know. It's like if we don't take God's wisdom, if we don't take his advice, we'll never know that he's trustworthy. But if we follow through, if we take that step of obedience, we can learn that God is trustworthy. We can build this deep trust that God really does have our best in mind. Okay, that's a bunch about how we can learn to trust God's intentions, coming to know and believe his love for us. Let's look further at verses 11 and 12 and consider our choice to engage with love. Again, verses 11 and 12 says this, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. These two verses highlight what I was referencing earlier about how our vertical relationship with God can resource all of our horizontal relationships. Simply put, as we are loved by God, we can more fully love others. It just happens over and over again. We get resourced by God, then we can love one another in the same way. Verse 11 and 12 are even more specific, adding a tone of exhortation. It isn't a suggestion. It's not just something to consider. No, since God has loved us, this is just what we do. This is what we ought to do. We love one another, and we love one choice at a time. So we make choices ahead of time to love well. I was thinking this week about meeting with couples. Um, one of the things as a pastor, I get a chance to do weddings, and so uh, doing premarital counseling with couples and talking with them about the power to choose ahead of time to love their spouse well. And so even to the spot where I'm talking with them about their vows, uh, sometimes couples will want to like uh, write their own vows, which I'm totally fine with, but I have one rule. I say you actually have to vow something. <laughs> It can't just be, oh, when I think of you, like it's puppies and rainbows and unicorns, right? No, it's like I am choosing on the front end to love you and to commit my life to you. It's the same thing for us in the midst of raising kids. We make decisions on the front end to love our kids well in every season of life. Because I don't know about you, but there's a lot of different times where I don't feel like loving my kids, you know, because it's hard, right? And so you choose ahead of time. You choose ahead of time to engage with love. You make that choice. Or even you go to the spot where Jesus, a little bit later in the Gospels, he calls us to love our enemies, to bless those that curse us, to pray for those that persecute us. Holy cow, you need a download from God to be able to do that. 
But friends, that's what can happen. We have these amazing resources that are available. As we connect with God, we can even go to that point where we can bless those that are completely against us and love those well that are even our enemies. So we make those choices ahead of time. We also make those moment-by-moment choices to love. Uh, This week, I was hanging out with a couple of guys that I meet with every week in a men's group, and one of the things that we were talking about was just some of the, the real struggles about how to engage in relationships and how to deal with some of the times that we just feel really stretched. And so one of the practical things that we were talking about was engaging with these like five-second prayers. When we feel stretched with our kids or stretched in a situation where we just don't know what to do, just like going to God and say, God, I just really need your help right now. Would you just fill me up right now? What did it take? Five seconds, right? Like engaging with that, that God resources us and then we can go into those very real situations with God's resources. So again, as we are loved by God, we can more fully love others. God takes the initiative. He does that in our lives and it helps us to engage more intentionally with all the people around us. Choosing to engage is one key aspect of what it means to love well and to pursue healthy relationships. Here's the second one I t- want to touch on today, and that's the choice to bless. We choose to bless. I want to look at a second main passage from this morning quickly from Numbers chapter 6. And uh, this takes place in the midst of the Israelites. Um, they're journeying through the wilderness and them trying to figure out what it means to be God's people together. And so here's what God directs them to do. Uh, Number six, verses 22 to 26. This is, the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And so this was a blessing that the priests were to give daily. And interestingly, it was spoken forth more than it was prayed. I don't know if you noticed that. The priests were to remind the people each day of who they were and to bless them to receive all that these short phrases represent. Let's look at each one of those phrases in just a little bit more detail here. So first, the Lord bless you and keep you. In Hebrew, to bless is the word barak. A little translation of this word means to kneel before someone. Rather than towering over someone, to bless involves taking a posture of humility and then empowering that person to prosper. So even considered this morning about what we celebrated in communion or what we read in 1 John 4 about the story of Jesus and how Jesus embodied this through his life and death. Jesus humbled himself, becoming human just like us, And then from that posture of despised criminal, he gave his life to pay the debt of our sin. Talk about the most amazing expression of blessing. Similarly, in the Greek, the verb to bless is the word eulogio. The literal meaning of that word is to speak well of. And this word also has a secondary connotation, to cause to prosper. And maybe I already picked up on this, like the similarity to our word eulogy Maybe that's something that's given at a memorial service. Unfortunately, words spoken at a funeral will not empower a deceased person to prosper. That day's already come and gone. In contrast, eulogio, that's mentioned here, to bless, 
is to bless somebody to prosper while they're still alive. We'll talk more about practically how to do that before we're done today. Next, the Lord make his face shine and you'll be gracious to you. Literally, God's gracious presence is radiating in your direction. Think about the scene that we were watching the video from Michael Jr. As he was speaking tenderly to his daughter, I can just imagine his face full of love as she opened her eyes. His face was set on her. It was shining on her with full of grace and commitment, intimate connection. That's the thing that God wants to have with each one of us. Next phrase is very similar. The Lord turn his face towards you. So I get about this question this week. If you imagine God turning his face towards you, what kind of expression do you imagine is on his face? When God turns his face towards you, what do you imagine his countenance being like? Now, how you answer that question will likely tell you a lot about you know, how much you've been able to internalize God's love for you and also where there might still be some gaps that you just need to come back to God and say, God, show me again. Show me again how you really think about me. The truth is, is that God's delight is turned towards you. As 1 John 3 says, how great is the love that the Father has lavished on you. There's more than enough. It's over the top towards you. And friends, when we are able to receive that, this is how we experience joy. This is how we experience joy. It's like we've been talking about a number of times over the last few months. This latest brain science has confirmed joy is what we experience when we see on someone's face that they are happy to see us. That's, friend in our, our, uh, that's true in our interpersonal relationships, but that's the same kind of thing that we can receive every time that we interact with God. That sense of God's face being torn towards us his grace and his love and his power. Again, it's active commitment. It's, it's this active engagement and intentional blessing pointed right at you and me. That is how he sees each one of us. Here's the final phrase. And give you peace. This is what they're to bless him with. And give you his peace. This is the Hebrew word shalom, which describes a peace that goes beyond an absence of conflict. Shalom is this all-encompassing experience of well-being. It's the deepest sense of inner satisfaction. It's being completely at rest. This is what God wants us to receive as we take in his blessing. And this is the blessing that God wants us to give as we interact with one another. Before we move on here to this last section, are you catching like this connection? Okay. Any moment, big moments, little moments, you know, uh, we decide ahead of time, we can experience it right in even five-second chunks of relationship with God, filling us up and then giving us everything that we need to interact with all the other humans in the best way possible. As we experience that reality of God's blessing in our lives, we truly can bless others in the same way. Okay, I want to finish up with... Uh, some really practical stuff. Um, a number of years ago, I ran across um, some wonderful things in this book uh, called The Blessing by John Trent and Gary Smalley. And they talk about five elements of blessing uh, that we can engage with 
as we interact with folks. And so they were talking a lot about parents to children, but these can apply in any relationship. So five elements of blessing, meaningful and appropriate touch, a spoken message, attaching high value, picturing a special future, and an active commitment. Let me unpack those just for a moment uh, in a little more detail on this. Meaningful touch. It was an essential element in bestowing blessing in Old Testament homes. It's where the original background comes from. And it provided this caring background to the words that would be spoken. And so for any person, you want to bless a child, you want to bless a parent, a spouse, this element of touch is an integral part of blessing. Uh, we've been talking the last few weeks about some of the ministry of uh, the muffin ladies, right? So going to places like uh, expanding out to the Women's Care Center, but uh, the most consistent spot that they've been going is to Stephen Neal Apartments. And I was just talking to uh, Casey LaCour recently about that, and this may not sound very fancy, but Casey told me that over the years that they've been doing this, those muffin ladies are the most consistent relational presence in these families' lives. The caseworkers have come and gone multiple times, like, but these kids know every Thursday morning, these muffin ladies show up and they bring them juice boxes and muffins and they experience love and blessing. You know, when I consider the impact, like as they hand out these moments and as they give these kids hugs, like that's the meaningful touch part, these kids, these families get to know that somebody's actually for them in contrast to a lot of the folks that come and interact with them are paid to do so. <laughs> so think about it, like the blessing that comes, is saying, I am choosing to be here, I am for you, and then that little pat on the head saying, I bless you in Jesus' name. Second element of blessing involves a spoken message. Again, one definition of what it means to bless is to speak well of someone. It's calling forth God's vision and image in a person's life. And that doesn't mean that we're untruthful, that we're glossing over hard things. No, it just means that we're reaching out, we're reaching for God's very best for that person, and then we're choosing to speak that out. Uh, this week I was uh, talking with a friend, and he was sharing a story with me about the bedtime routine that his dad had with him. And so almost every night uh, he'd put him to bed, and as he was tucking him in, just these sharing, these little simple words of blessing, telling him how much he loved him, praying for him. And we only talked about this for a few minutes, but I could just immediately tell, like, this was an impactful uh, experience for this young man. How much, like, his dad communicated to him this love and this commitment and how that has helped to shape how even he's been able to see God. Next, when we bless someone, we attach high value. In his book, John Trent remarks how people in the Bible often use word pictures to express importance. And that goes, and he goes on for some length to talk how we can use whether it's analogies or word pictures to speak high value to those around us, whether it's our kids or somebody else. It made a lot of sense to me. I think about, not only like, remember that from the Bible, but also I think about when we pray for one another, how often we get these little deposits of like a word picture that we'll share that's actually God's prophetic heart for someone. It's attaching value to that. That is something that we do to bless one another as we pray for each other. It ties in with the fourth item. Blessing includes picturing a special future. Love this quote from Dallas Willard about blessing. He says, blessing is the projection of good 
into the life of another. It isn't just words, it's the actual putting forth of your will for the good of another person. But blessing always involves God because when you will the good of another person, you realize only God is capable of bringing that. (laughs) We can't do this on our own, but as we're empowered by the Holy Spirit, as we connect with God, we can actually be a source of blessing and we can picture a special future. A couple of the ways that I did that with my girls as they were growing up, um, one of our little playful games that I loved to play with my girls was um, we played this game called Who's My Favorite Daughter? Um, now, I'm not pitting them against each other. Um, what I would do is I would bring things that they knew were true about themselves. So like with our daughter Kate, she's got curly hair. So I was like, who's my favorite daughter that has curly hair? And then her face would light up, that's me, you know? And like, who's my favorite daughter that likes to dance? And like, my daughter Grace would say, oh, that's me, you know? And so just being able to call out just little, little, little bits by bits of what I saw in them as a dad, what I thought, this is special about you, and immediately, just routinely, just going ahead and picturing that special future with them. A little later, when my girls became teenagers, um, one of the things that I picked up from some other um, mentors was this idea of doing something a little more formal in just blessing them into becoming young women. And so, uh, you know, so we did like this nice dinner. Uh, I wrote them out this, um, this, this written blessing, uh, gave them a gift, and then prayed for them at the end of that night. And it was just a really special time. You know, just to speak for it. Like, this is what I see in you. This is what I see God doing. And lapping that to lodge in them, okay? And so some of you are in that spot where your kids are really little. Um, you know, if you're raising kids, you can maybe incorporate some of these ideas. I got them from somebody else. I didn't come up with this, and I didn't do it perfect. Like, I'm, I'm just like any of you. Um, but maybe, you know, you're a little farther along, or maybe, you know, you, you don't have kids. Like, any of those pieces are things that you can do to bless one another, projecting uh, this special future. Finally, blessing involves an active commitment. Words are powerful, but they cannot communicate the fullness of blessing on their own. They need to be backed up with a willingness, basically, to deliver on the the fullness of the blessing that we're trying to to give uh, to, to those around us, to see that blessing to come. So, for example, we could, we could tell a child, like, man, I see that you've got this potential to be a very good pianist. But if we lack that commitment to provide a way for them uh, to be able to pursue that or a piano to practice on, like, it's not going to come around uh, to full circle. Or when it comes to spending time together, developing a, per, a sp- specific skill, like, sometimes, like, our kids will experience, like, well, wait till the weekend. And then it comes, wait till another weekend. So many times that they they begin to believe, like, I don't know if this is actually going to happen. They no longer believe the words of blessing. So again, whatever the relational context is, this fifth element of the blessing, an active commitment, it's crucial. It's crucial to communicate blessing. Okay, I wish I could talk about that for about another half hour. We went through those really quickly. I saw some of you even snapping those um, uh, up, on, uh, up on the screen there. Um, there's a bunch more stuff in that book. Highly recommend that. It's really good. 
you know, hopefully you get the gist here. Again, if you're a parent, uh, if you're a dad, if you're a grandparent, you've got some folks in your life. Like, thinking through this is super powerful for the folks that we're trying to invest in. But this can go in any kind of relationship. You know, these expressions of these five elements of blessing. You know, you can take up and, and answer to God saying, like, I want to fill you with this amazing love. I want to pour into you more than you can imagine of what I think of you, of how I want to communicate to you my love, my active commitment, my active engagement, me wanting to bring blessing into your life. And as 1 John 4 talks about, and we just turn around and we just love others in the same way that God has loved us. Love is active commitment. It's active. It's not passive. It's active engagement. It's intentional blessing. I would love to pray for us along those lines. Why don't you guys go ahead and stand, and let's lead into a bit of ministry time. Ben's going to lead us in some more worship here in a moment, and uh, as we uh, just take time to pray for one another. Uh, there was several pieces that um, just felt like was coming to my mind as I uh, was preparing for today. You know, some of us, just that desire, like just wanting to receive more in God's love and blessing in your life. You know, knowing that that's what you need to love the people around you. Maybe you even had some experiences uh, over this past week where you realized you didn't have what you felt like you needed to go at the situation at hand. That happens to all of us, okay? And so we don't wanna um, make our, beat ourselves up about that. We just know that we wanna be able to work towards receiving more and more from God, that he can give us what we need uh, in the midst of these real relationships. Maybe some of you realize that there have been ways that um, you just didn't get some of the things that you really long for. You know, even as you share some of the stories and, and different things that, uh, that there might be some gaps there. Friends, you can receive from God and fill in those gaps, and it can give you what you need to love those around you really, really well. Also thinking about uh, the wounding that's led to battles with trust. It can be hard to trust God, hard to trust other people. It can come out in so many different forms. And so this morning might be a spot where you just say, God, here's where I'm at. Would you come into these vulnerable places would you help me to experience your blessing, your love, your active engagement with me in all of those ways? You know, we're watching that video, and uh, maybe for you, it could be that you're just freaking out about some stuff. <laughs> and so you could bring some very real fears to God this morning. Finally, I just want to invite, um, if you're a dad here today, um, we just want to just pray a blessing over you. Um, you can just do that and your empowerment uh, as a father. So if you're on your ministry team, why don't you come on up here? Uh, we'd love to pray for folks as we go back into worship, and let me just close this in prayer. God, thank you so much. Thank you for all the pictures that we get of your love for us, God, that you didn't leave us on our own. But God, you came to find us, to rescue us, and to bring us right into uh, your presence through Jesus. And so as we worship God, 
as we pray for one another, Lord, could we experience you bringing your blessing to us? And God, would you empower us to just give that away everywhere we go, every relationship we're in. Come, Lord. We thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to worship. Come on up, get some prayer. Happy Father's Day, dads. Make sure you pick up a coaster on your way out. Hope you have a great rest of your weekend.